0: I'm Danielle, and I'm Christy,
1: and you are listening to
0: Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy here in Colorado and my co-host Danielle is off somewhere in California. Hello. It's Hello. hot. I bet it is. How hot is it out there?
1: Uh, we're lucky. It's actually not that bad, but I'm a child uh, and can't handle heat. I want to live in an igloo. So for but you me... guys have
0: air, right? Air conditioning. You guys have air conditioning. Oh. Really? Oh. Oh, you know, my house have doesn't have house. it either, but I thought that was because it was on a mountain.
1: No, I think it's a lot of the if certain houses that are built between a certain time period when the world started heating up got central air, you know, put in as a as an automatic. But now, but we predate that, so it was. Oh, wow. We bought our house before the warming really set in. <laughs> so, I feel
0: you. You need a little pop-up pool yeah. in the back just to like bring your body temperature down. So, yeah. Yeah. Sit <laughs> so out there with the dogs.
1: We're super lucky. Like, like, I mean, like, other parts of the Pacific Northwest have gone insane and, like, into the hundreds. So I shouldn't complain at all. We're super lucky. But for me, I'm like, bleh.
0: <laughs> Well, it is hot. That's why left. I prefer cold to hot. Because if I'm cold, I can get a blanket. And blankets are wonderful yeah. and cozy. Blanket, um, sweater, but if you're hot... Sweater. You just have to lay there like a starfish and be miserable.
1: Yep. Be
0: miserable.
1: Drink a lot of water and be miserable.
0: (laughs) I mean, that's what it is. Yep. Welcome. This is hot. So, fun (laughs) times. Fun times. Fun times. Yes.
1: If you're listening, suffering in the heat, I feel for you, too.
0: (laughs) And if you're listening and are very sunburned, I feel for you, too. I got a sunburn uh, a few days ago. Danielle and I were just talking about it. Um, because I'm an idiot and I was like, well, we're only gonna be in a pool for like a little bit and I've been outside and I'm Mexican, it's fine. And we were actually probably <laughs> out there like an hour and I burned real bad. Like probably bad enough that I got a fever. So I don't think I've been sunburned that bad since college when we stayed out fishing all day and were drunk and didn't realize and then like spent two days in bed because we were so terribly sunburned.
1: I can't think of, I think I was in high school the last time I got burned like that. And that was being a child at a music festival and not packing sunscreen because you're a child. And then the line for sunscreen was an hour long. And they were giving out little ketchup packet sized sunscreen. So it was like really stupid. And so we basically, my th- my best friend and I, we basically had heat stroke. Like we were delirious. Like by the, it was an all day festival and just in this baking sun. And I had more layers on than she did. So I wasn't as, like her face, like she had raccoon like tan lines from her sunglasses. Oh man. They were hilarious. And we had to go back to school, like, the next class or the weekend, and we're like, we're going to look like freaking idiots because, <laughs> like, we look terrible. And we felt like, like, I was sick. Like, I was, like, throwing up It makes up you sick. sick.
0: Like, yes, it makes your mm-hmm. body sick. You have poisoned your body from the outside yep. in. Yeah.
1: hmm And we, like, I don't even really, I don't even know how we made it, like, to my dad's car. Like, my dad left us, you know, at the festival, and then was like, okay, well, you know, at the end, I'm picking you up. And I, I still to this day don't know how we physically made it to the car because by that point we were so sick from the heat and right. sick from dehydration, and everything else. And I was like, and we had to walk pretty far like to the car if I remember. And I don't, I don't have any memory of that. I just we were I'm like are we to dead? the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no joke. If
0: you're sunburned right now, I feel you. I'm sorry. Wear sunscreen. This Where
1: is a sunscreen? ESA from your mom to wear sunscreen.
0: Even if you're Mexican and you think you know it all, like you can still be caught. There's a lot of shame involved in what happened to me. Cause I feel like I'm an adult. And as someone who has spent countless hours putting sunscreen on my children, um, say, Don't I'm you sure put it was it confusing for them. Yeah, no, I make them. <laughs> I just didn't do it for me. So.
1: It's mom life though. Like you're like, I worry about them and then I forget myself. So oh that's yeah. Kind
0: of oh yeah. I mean that's how it that's how it should be, you know, when they're born. Right. Like you serve yourself last and you know, all that stuff. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, so got a sunburn. Um uh, <laughs> what else we need to talk about real quick? Um,
1: your racehorse. Oh, my God. We have to learn about the racehorse.
0: Okay. I'm going to get real nerdy. Um, and you guys, you can I, skip ahead, like, in the description. I'll, I'll put the timestamp for <laughs> when the when the episode actually starts. Because I have a lot of shame about We in, need to know. And what I'm about to talk about. Okay. Do you know what an NFT game <laughs> is?
1: I barely even know what an NFT is. So, no.
0: <laughs> okay. So, it is. Uh, uh, NFT games are. Uh, it's, it's so hard. So these are online games that people put money in to play. Um, A lot of them are in just like the baby phase and the beta phase. And my brother, (laughs) when I saw him last, was like, hey, have you gotten into digital racehorsing? Because I, I do some investing and he does investing and all of his little investor friends are playing this digital racing game. It's called Zedrun. It's Z-E-D-R-U-N. And it's it's in beta, um, but it's pretty cool. And it runs on Ethereum, which is cryptocurrency. I'm going to shoot a lot of terms, and I'm sorry. Um, If you know what Bitcoin is, Bitcoin is number one, Ethereum is number two. So it is the second most valuable crypto out there. And this game is run entirely on crypto. So, in the simplest terms, because <laughs> it's very complicated, and that's why these nerds like it, because there's yeah. many, many levels um, of complexity uh, to be able to, to play do well and have fun. So you can, from this game, purchase a digital racehorse. And they have done a very good job with these horses. They look real slick. Um, it's real cool to watch them run. Like you can, there's a million different they colors. Different they can be like pink and green and orange, like. And every coat is like a rarity, you know. It's they've all got different like things, right? So, there are a certain number of horses that come from the game that are generated from Zed Run. Those are called Genesis horses. Stay with me. So the horses that are generated from the game are called Genesis horses. There's only so many Genesis horses that are ever going to be made ever. And they've already given out more than half of them. Okay. Now the other way that you can do it is you can go on to, um, it's called OpenSea, which is like the eBay for NFT crap, right? You can go on there and buy stuff from pretty much whatever game you want. You can buy art, Like, anything that's got, like, a digital copyright stamp on it, you can go on OpenSea and buy. So you can buy other people's horses that they've gotten from the game on OpenSea. You can get a horse that way. They've also implemented breeding within the game. Okay. So if you have a girl horse and a boy horse, you can breed them. Make a little horse that you can then sell to other people. It's dumb. Stay with me. So... Here's the deal. The horses that come from the game are ranked from like one to 10, one being the, the best and the most expensive, and 10 being um, still kind of expensive, but you know on the lower spectrum. Uh, so understand that like, okay, the Z1 horses sometimes sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars.
1: Real dollars, real like dollars actual dollars.
0: It's all in Ethereum. Well, okay. Okay. So here's the thing you buy the Ethereum, right? And you go into the game and you get a horse and it's a good racer and you turn around and you sell it for lots and lots of money. Well, that money comes in through Ethereum. So you go, okay, I've got this Ethereum now and now I'm going to sell this Ethereum and that money goes back in my bank account. So it does based on the market a little bit, but you can technically Mm -hmm. farm this money with these fake horses. Does that make sense? Okay. So, this is a super nerdy game for people with way too much money. um, And it's very, very complicated. And I have been sucked in. I am very nerdy. I don't have too much (laughs) money. I have been kind of watching on the sidelines. Because even just to kind of dip a toe, you're going to spend two or 300 bucks on a horse, like minimum. Wow. Right. And that it's doesn't involve cheap. like the racing fees, because the whole point of it is that you enter these horses in races. And then if it's a paid race, you get there's a purse for the race. Right. So the winners get the money. Wow. Right. OK. So it's not
1: even it's like not cheap at all.
0: to get Not into. at all. Not at all. So that's why when the game generates horses, you want to buy from the game because it's way cheaper to buy from the game. You're going to find prices there you're never going to find on OpenSea. They've had a lot of problems with figuring out how to facilitate getting people these horses from the game. Because what happens is they say, okay, we're going to do a drop. And then everybody and their brother gets on and the whole system crashes. Okay, that's happened a couple of times. Mm. And the last time it happened... They said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We want to keep you guys involved. We know that it's been kind of a nightmare trying to get these horses. We're going to do a giveaway. So, so yeah, so they're going to do a giveaway. They're going to give away a million dollars worth of these Genesis horses, the horses that come from the game. So 6,000 horses total are going to be given at random for free to people who tried to mm-hmm. like be in the game but couldn't get a horse, right? Guess who Damn. got a free horse?
1: you did
0: i did i am on the list everybody has turned cool. off the podcast by now i am on the list yep of people who got a free mm-hmm. horse and i am patiently waiting it should be probably tomorrow or the next day um to see what kind of horse i got i want to see like is it a, is it gonna be a boy I hope it's is it gonna pink. be a girl and pre- fingers crossed for pink so
1: i hope yeah. it's pink and its name is like really silly.
0: Yeah, I don't get to pick like, the names and the names are, are real dumb. Like it's going to be like grandma's panties or something. Like
1: <laughs> I kind of hope it is that now cuz <laughs> But yes, I will post it. All...
0: I will post it when I when I get it I'll put cuz it always generates a gif cuz these people are fancy. And I'll I'll post it in case that's anyone amazing. cares and has not turned off the podcast by now. Uh that's my new nerdy thing. So, if there's any Zedders out there, let me know I'm not alone. But I probably am, because there's only like 50,000 people that play it worldwide. It's in beta.
1: Wow. Well, now we know what Christy's doing in her spare time racing digital horses. Digital horses. horses.
0: So. I'm ashamed. You don't feel I bad for you me. Have, I hope you have a good
1: of Please get a collection of like derby hats to wear while you're racing your horse online. Oh, if my so you horse starts winning, with-
0: better believe I'm going to be sharing like every race. Like, look, you guys, I came in first.
1: I want you to get like a big fancy hat uh-huh. and like a mint julep cup. I love it. derby it up. Be
0: like, hey, this is just my legacy. Just my legacy. I'm out here with my digital stable, which is named for the love of wine and cheese.
1: I love it. Okay, well, we appreciate everyone sticking with us. If they did. If they did. They
0: probably did it. It's cool. I understand.
1: It's cool. You're- There's a timestamp for you in the description box.
0: Yeah, 1,000%. So. We put this out there. What? Skip ahead, y'all. Um, Skip ahead. So, yes. So, that's my thing. It's weird. Let me know if you're weird, too. Fun times. Okay, back to Snacks with Stein. <laughs> So, oh, we also wanted to tell you real quick, and this is not on the outline, I'm sorry. We also wanted to say really quick that we are going to record a mini-sode where we cover the Fear Street movie. Um, Do not be afraid. It is forthcoming. It's probably maybe already out. Yes. By the time. No, I'll probably drop this one first.
1: It could very well be, but probably not. But
0: yeah. Either way. Look for that. Mini-sode is Mm -hmm. imminent. Okay, so tonight, when we go to Fear Street, we're going to be talking about Dead End. And I chose this one at random because it's summer. We're playing fast and loose with it. Just kind of flying by the seat of our pants over here, feeling loosey-goosey, and I just picked one, and this was it. So the cover on this one is good, but it's kind of funny. You're going to have to look it up so you can tell me what you think. In fact, we, we might have to have, like, a caption competition in the group. It's, oh. it's just like a close up of a girl in the car. And it looks, you know, she's not driving in the car. It looks like she's looking out the back of the car. Um, but the pers- perspective is, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's like if she were a giant or this was a very small car. Yeah, it looks like she's holding a cardboard cutout of like a back of a car in like a photo booth or yes. something. It's a very small car.
1: Like, she has an invisible cell phone. Right. And she's in a car.
0: It's odd. <laughs> it's one of the weirder ones I, I think I've seen on a Fear, Street, a Fear Street cover. But either way, she looks very concerned. And the tagline reads, there's no turning back. Copyright is 1995 by Archway Paperbacks. Blah. Archway Paperbacks. Take another drink of coffee, Christy. this book opens with a prologue. In the prologue, there's a girl talking. And she's talking about how all her life, the one thing that her mother always said was accidents will happen. No matter what thing she messed up or how she got hurt, her mother would always very calmly say, accidents will happen. So when that horrible accident happened on the dead-end road, this girl knew enough to stay calm until the real horror started. And that's the end of the prologue. And now we time jump. Okay?
1: They're singing Scooby sounds and they go like.
0: So now we are at Shadyside High. We're at a house party. Okay. And it is 100% like that, that first scene and can't hardly wait where we get just like a ton of characters all at once and they get like a little pop-up text that like tells them their name. Uh, And what character they are in this story. (laughs) So I don't think you're gonna have to write it down, but just like pay attention because quite literally that's what's happening here. We're gonna get a person and who the hell they are. Okay, so. Okay. So first is our protagonist, her name is Natalie. I am partial to this name Mm -hmm. because I chose it for my child.
1: It's a good one. It's a good
0: one, I like it. Natalie is not normally a party goer, but you can tell from her interactions with like many of the kids at this party that she's kind of at least moderately popular. She's the one who's introducing all these characters and Stein straight up says that she is the person from the prologue. So Natalie is the girl from the accident prologue. Okay? Okay. So we got Natalie, that's helpful. At this party, we also have Keith, who is Natalie's boyfriend who I guess she kind of likes, but it seems like he's kind of a douche, okay? Of course he's hot, that's understandable. You know, we can put up a lot of things. But they've only been together for a few months, so she admits that, you know, she hasn't quite gotten him figured out just yet.
1: She never will.
0: I guess, but they've, she's in an exclusive relation, (laughs) Natalie, okay. But while they're at the party, like, Keith disappears to drink beer with some guys upstairs and then he shows up again later only to, like, throw up and, you know, insist that he's fine. He's fine. So, Keith is the drunk girl at the party. Okay. Okay? Natalie and Keith. This party is being hosted by Talia. Talia's parents are away for the weekend and she was supposed to have this party for just the seniors at Shadyside. But then, like, everybody and their dog showed up, right? She did not supply the beer. She's not happy about it being at her party because if her parents found out this little detail, you know, she'd probably be in a lot of trouble. But she's having a good time at the party. Talia and Natalie are friends because they're both writers, okay? Natalie keeps a journal where she writes poetry. And Talia writes horror stories. Oh. spooky! Yes. Natalie, Keith, and Talia. Now we add in Jillian. Jillian is always accompanied by her friend's own boy toy, Carlo. You don't see them apart, ever. Jillian is the one who got Natalie together with Keith. And Carlo is your, like, token nice guy. He's never going to make it. Past second base with Jillian, ever. They're just friends. Jillian is super hot, by the way. Now, there's two more. Two more. We have Randy, who is a girl. It's R A N D E E. Huh. Randy. No. Yeah. I hate it. Randy's I hate a girl. It. And she's also Natalie's best friend. And Randy is, quote, not really pretty.
1: Aww.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> you're gonna understand in a minute, cause get this, she has the gall to have curly hair. Okay. And oh, braces. Yes.
1: Case, Case closed. closed. Go to the, Right. the book is over. Over. He's hideous.
0: Curly hair. Curly hair, Forget how it. dare she? But hey, she's really nice, okay? And she and Natalie have been friends forever. So I mean, she kinda has to be her friend, but geez. So this
1: this is definitely one of those, like, your ugly friend that is just there. Yeah. There was a great, I hate to mention, this Dane Cook because he's so t- irrelevant now. But he had a great joke like way back in the day about like people with like your ugly friend. And it was it was like your designated fat friend and it's so mean and awful, but like it's true. How there's always those girls that are really pretty, but they have the one stereotypically ugly friend that they keep around for some reason. <laughs> and then they send like all the guides to her that they don't want to be hit on by. Like that's the vibe I get. Oh, I Randy think that's because, like, Alan.
0: I think that, and I don't think this is true forever for all women, but usually in a scenario no. where you have an extremely attractive person, someone who definitely visibly puts a lot of time into their appearance, and they are yeah. constantly seen with someone who definitely visibly doesn't, that is usually to yeah. amplify
1: oh, yeah. the way that they mm-hmm. look. Oh, yeah, totally. And there are a lot of girls, I mean, it's very, it's much more of, like, a high school, middle school thing that kids, people do. But it happens in adulthood, too. Like, you just have this tag-along friend that you're like, ew, why is my tag-along friend here? But there they are. (laughs) You know, kind of a thing. But that's the vibe I get. And with a name like Randy, her parents doomed her from the start anyway. Because what could Randy even stand for? Like, I can't even think of a name. Well, I mean, like, she could be a
0: country-western singer with that name. Randy the double e Brandy. Like, I just want to put rhinestones. on it. can't defend.
1: Yeah, we bedazzle it and maybe it'll be better. Right? (laughs) I see denim. I don't know. Um,
0: So, one more character here and it is Todd. Last, but not smart, is Todd. Todd (laughs) is the typical 90s blonde jock. He's well-muscled and not too bright. But also, he has that kind of body you could climb like a tree. Like he's, he's good at sports and he's not that much of a douche. He's just like a big, tough guy. And I think he might like have something going with Jillian, but like after Keith falls down the basement stairs drunk and then spews beer everywhere, Todd steps in and asks Natalie if she wants to dance. Natalie admits to herself that she's somewhat attracted to Todd, but she doesn't feel like dancing. Keith is embarrassing the shit out of her. So to recap, we have Natalie, the protagonist. We have Keith, the drunk but hot boyfriend. We have Talia, who is the party host. Jillian, who is the hottie in her friend zone boy toy, Carlo, who never speaks. Randy is the best friend <laughs> who has that unseemly curly hair. And Todd, the jock yeah. side piece potential. We good? Okay. Okay. Good. All right. So Keith tells Natalie that he's ready to go. The party's been going on for a few hours. He's definitely ready to leave. But he's also super trashed. Natalie tells him there's no way she's riding with him when he's this drunk. And she bounces out of the house. And when she leaves out the front door, she sees Randy getting into her green Volvo. She's driving Jillian, Carlo, and Todd home. Natalie asks if she can be taken home as well, and Randy tells her, sure, jump in. And she does. And even as they pull away from the house, Keith is, like, running down the street trying to follow him. Like, them insisting that, you know, he's fine, he can drive, he's good, like, everything's cool. But Natalie is done with his ass tonight. She does not, she gives no fucks. She she just wants to go home. Keith, figure it out. Get it together. So they're driving along, and... There had been a lot of rain earlier that night, and the road was very slick. A thick fog had just crawled into the area. It was very hard to see. It only really took a few minutes for Natalie to realize that Randy might also be drunk. She seemed kind of out of it, and Natalie knew that she had been upstairs drinking beers with some of the guys. But Randy insists that she's fine. She's fine. Even though she's blowing through stop signs and taking turns too fast. She's fine! She's great! great. She had a great time. Todd is the first to get dropped off. So Randy says she knows where Todd's house is, she knows the way. But then she almost misses the turn, and she turns instead down a dead-end road. She realizes her mistake, so she brakes and the car skids. Car spins out, and Randy brakes a number of times, but it won't stop. And then they all see it. Another car that seems to have come out of nowhere. There is screaming and whiplash, and Randy's Volvo hits the other car hard and stops. Randy looks around to see if everybody's okay, and then she throws the Volvo into reverse and gets the fuck out of there. All the other kids are yelling at her that, "Hey, you hit somebody back there. They could be hurt. Like you, you hit somebody." And Randy says, "She knows she hit another car, but you know she's grounded. She's not supposed to be out of the house. And if she gets caught, she will be in so much trouble." So she
1: went out when she was grounded and hit another car. Was
0: that? Yep. Okay. So we're going to leave them in the middle of the road because we're going to get in trouble. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Then Jillian admits that she, too, was not supposed to be out tonight. They all come up with reasons that they should just pretend that the wreck never happened. Carlo's dad is in the hospital, and he shouldn't hear any bad news like his son being in a car wreck. Todd's dad, who, if you can believe it, is even bigger than Todd, has just taken a job doing <laughs> PR at the mayor's office, and he can't be involved in any kind of trouble. And, like Randy said, she was supposed to be grounded. Her parents will ruin her life, and her senior year is over before even even Stars if they find out. Natalie is, in yeah. fact the only one in the car who is still in favor of going back and checking on whoever they hit in that other car. She said she thinks she saw someone in that car, but that she can't be sure, because it all happened really fast. Randy reasons that, you know, if everybody in their car is okay, then everybody in the other car should be okay too. Not a big deal. And when she gets to Todd's house, she gets out and checks. And you know what? There's only really a scratch on the bumper of of the Volvo, which, okay, I buy it. Volvos are built like tanks. You probably could crash that into like a little foreign car and forget it. Yeah. So everybody has just decided we're going to pretend like this doesn't happen and everyone's taken home. Okay. So the car was just pretty much fine. Their Volvo was fine. They don't know about the other car because they didn't check. And this is where I'm going to need you to Google, when did Lois Duncan write I Know What You Did Last Summer? This book is copyrighted in 1995. I have a bad feeling.
1: What did you say the copyright was? 1995
0: 1973.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> that book is old. I didn't realize it was that old.
0: Yeah, a lot of Duncan's books are um, have a 70s vibe. 1970s? Yeah. Because I read the movie
1: edition, which came out in the 90s. That was 97 or 98, I think. Mm-hmm. It came out with the movie cover. You know, the movie poster cover. I had that one. I, and I always never read it before. But...
0: I had Stranger with My Face, but I didn't have any of her other books. But Stranger with My Face definitely had like a early 80s vibe.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you suspecting some plagiarism? No,
0: nope, maybe we don't. We don't badmouth our the guy we built our podcast on, do um but perhaps inspiration.
1: Inspiration.
0: I'm frame this in a positive okay. way, of course. So, yeah, just just curious. Good to know. Glad we looked it up. The night yeah. that night, excuse me, Natalie cannot sleep. She is still in serious shock. You know that she's she's replaying that accident over and over in your head, and if you've ever been in a car accident, that's that's what happens. Like it's such a shocking thing that you keep kind of going back over it. Like, what exactly just happened to me? Like, the, like so she's replaying this wreck.
1: You have PTSD forever. Like you can just like at least I did when I got into an accident. Like I still I'm I was I never liked being in cars anyway, but then after that I really get nervous in cars like any false move i'm like right (laughs) you know so
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah. well and she she feels the same way like she keeps like hearing the sound of the glass breaking and the metal crunching and she's she's not she's not doing well with it but she's she's taking some breaths. she's trying to calm her mind she's finally about to go to sleep when the phone phone rings who's calling danielle
1: A guy with the fish hook, Just right? Just kidding. Um, um, he's wearing a rain slicker like the Gordon's fisherman. He That's is, he's calling. Right. He is,
0: you're correct. He dialed, it took a while to dial with that hook, but he, it, we got there. Um, okay. he did it. <laughs> actually, it's Todd. He says he's got some bad news. Todd's the big dude, right? Yep. Todd's the big dude that's not super smart. He says he's got some bad news. The person in the other car from the night before is dead. It's on the radio, it's in the morning paper. The woman that was in that car was killed on a dead-end road just off of River Run. She was hit by a hit-and-run driver. Todd knows about it now because his dad calls. You see, remember, Todd's dad took that job for the mayor's office. And it turns out that the woman that they hit and killed was the mayor's sister. And that the mayor is now out for blood and will do anything to find the person that hit her car and killed her. Natalie has a full-blown panic attack, okay? Killers. They are all killers and life is over now. No more life. They killed her. Like, they just drove off. They could have stopped and helped her. They, maybe they could have saved her. Uh, maybe she'd still be alive, but she's not, and it's all their fault, and they're going to lose their future over this. And she was just waiting for the call from the police saying that they had been identified, and then that would be it. And of course, then the phone rings. Now it's Keith. He's trying to patch things up after ignoring Natalie at the party and getting totally wasted. But Natalie, again, she gives no fucks. She hangs up on him. She's got bigger things to play with right now. Sorry, Keith. Go be drunk somewhere else. (laughs) That Saturday, all five of the kids from the car meet up in the park behind the school. They walk the path into the woods and they sit at a picnic table. They didn't want to talk on the phone or in the restaurant. They felt like maybe they could be overheard that way. So, you know, open woods seemed like a better idea. Todd is cracking jokes because everybody deals differently. And I feel you, Todd, like I tend to do this mm-hmm. too. Like when things are pretty tense, I'll usually yeah. try to make somebody smile, but it's, no. it's really not the time. Everybody's pretty messed up and definitely has some PTSD. Randy says that she can't believe that this is happening. And did Todd hear anything else from his dad? Todd says that the only other thing that he was able to pick up was that now the mayor had put out a cash reward for anyone that has any information about the person that hit his sister's car on the dead end road. So the wind starts to pick up and it's getting colder. I'm guessing that we're in late fall. Um, But no one said much until for the first time, Carlos speaks up.
1: He wants to go to the police.
0: He says that if they go to the police right now, that they'll probably go easy on them. But if they wait and they keep trying to cover it up, it's just going to make it worse. Randy and Todd and Jillian all shut him down quick. Todd even, like, grabs the front of Carlo's shirt and that, like, you know, I'm going to beat you up kind of thing and reminds him that, you know, his dad (laughs) works for the mayor. And if it's discovered that Todd was in the car that hit the mayor's sister, then that would mean his dad would lose his job and likely beat the shit out of Todd. And the way Todd says this makes me think that maybe like Todd's dad has a habit of doing this. So he's trying to do whatever he needs to do to not get the crap beat out of him. Natalie protests a little bit, but ultimately she decides, you know, they, they can't go to the police. Todd reassures everyone that, you know, if the cops pick up any clues, he'll know about it from his dad. They don't have anything to worry about. They just have to be able to keep this secret until it all blows over. So they make a vow, okay? They're in the woods. They stand and hold hands in a circle, and they all promise to keep this secret forever.
1: A secret circle. A
0: secret circle. Wow. No blood was drawn. Okay. I thought that was going to be. Next. So it's not one of those circles. Mm, no. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just a secret circle, right? Does the circle make it more of a secret? I guess. Like what if you were in a square? It, it
0: wouldn't. It wouldn't be as cool <laughs> if we weren't like in the woods in a circle, holding hands and being like, "It's a vow." He didn't say promise. I want Daniel. To.
1: We said
0: vow
1: with a V. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to stand in a triangle shape and do it. You're such Thank a you. brat.
0: I love it. <laughs> um, so, okay. So we've made a vow. We've made a vow. We've stood in a circle. That sealed the deal. All right. Uh, here we go. Put your hand over your heart and cross your eyes. <laughs> that night... It's Saturday night, right? But all Natalie wants to do is just, like, hide inside. She wants to find the biggest sweater she can, and she's going to write some poetry. And I feel you, Danielle, or not Danielle, but Natalie. I feel, Natalie, (laughs) about the sweater thing, but not the... You knew it sounded
1: like me. It did. You're like, this sounds like Danielle. It did. Like, I just
0: want to be in my house and be cozy. Like, that's what I want. It's my happy place. Mm -hmm. No poetry, though. I'm sorry. I, no. I hate poetry. It's mostly stupid dumb. Like, there's a few exceptions, but not very many. It's, I'm not a poetry person. Sorry about it.
1: I have a few, like, really favorite poets, but they're very few and far between. And but you're not seeking course, out poetry. poetry. You're
0: not, like, going into a bookstore going, oh, I can pick anything I want. Where's the no. poetry?
1: No. There are some that I love, but it's, you know, it's the classic. Like nothing new has ever drawn me in, but like the classics, you know, like give me some Emerson and I'm happy or some Yeats or something. Like that, you know, that stuff that I'm I like. Even it. But then I, I like have to be in the mood. And I think Of course, yeah, I don't just pull it out, you know. <laughs> I don't carry a pocket. I was gonna say, do you, you have like a, a scarf
0: and know? a book of poems like just in case on the fly I you need to be like, you know? I for this special
1: occasion, I have a poem. She pulls out a beret. <laughs> <For> my,
0: <laughs> Let me get it in place.
1: For, I love berets. Unashamedly, I love berets. They are pretty cute. I have a stack, like, too high of, like, Disney ones that I've gotten off Etsy. And I'm like, stop making berets, Etsy. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Well, I guess I have to buy this. Jesus. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, it has friggin' Mickey on it.
0: God stupid having it's like f you
1: <laughs> no but i do love a little poetry. and you know i blame which is like this is so cheesy and like dates me for like forever but i blame dead poet society for mm. getting me into poetry mm-hmm. and finding good poetry not like poetry, but finding good poetry because i didn't really know they don't teach you about poetry really in school and so you can kind of just kind of stumble on it yourself and You know, I love that movie anyway, but you know, then I was like, oh, what is this? And then I kind of got into it for a little bit. And what I was saying is that I just love words. Like, words are pretty to me, which is why I'm such a big Shakespeare person, because I just love words. Mm -hmm. And there's some poetry that's just really, just really pretty for the words. But there's a lot of crappy poetry out there.
0: Oh, so much. (laughs) Probably like This Girl's Writing, but she's very great. I
1: mean, yeah, I mean, I wrote poetry in high school, it was awful. Um, no doubt. I thought I was super smart. (laughs) Super smart. I probably did have a scarf and was like, I'm in my black room. (laughs) I love it so so much. My little light. Like I'm so sad. So very, very. Okay, well, (laughs)
0: Natalie is you right now because she's in her room. She's in her big sweater. She's writing her poetries. She's going to write something about spring. But so far, all she's written at the top is May. May. That's it. Mom comes in to talk to her (laughs) for uh, like a few minutes. And she's like, hey, did you know that Keith left a message on our answering machine? And Natalie's like, yes, I will call Keith later. Blah, blah, blah. And her mom's like, so... Was everything cool there, or what? And Natalie gets very annoyed because she doesn't like it when her mother asks her personal questions. It's like, okay, well, you're a teenager, and that's her mom's job. So just answer the question, you little shit. So, um, out of my dark, I am creating out. poetry right now. Oh my god, it's coming for me sooner, <laughs> sooner rather than later. I'm gonna have teenagers. I'm afraid,
1: Natalie. You're Natalie. I feel, is going to be very much like me. and <laughs> I'm on board.
0: I'm on board she has for a that. Flair. Like,
1: she has a flair for the dramatic.
0: <laughs> well, like, even Roman, who is my – my was my chunky little drooly-faced, like, snuggle bucket. Like, even now, like, he'll come up and give me a hug, and I'll be like, please don't hate me. He's like, why am I going to hate you? I was like, because teenagers are mean, and they hate their moms. He's like, but I don't think that's going to happen. I was like, that's what they all say.
1: Hopefully, hopefully they won't. He's so tall now. I looked at pictures and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, he's getting there. I'm he's 5'10". Like, he's so probably tall.
0: 5'7". Now, he's 11. Wow, he's taller than me. Yeah, he's 11. <laughs> so. He hasn't even technically hit wow. a growth spurt yet. <laughs> he's just always been tall. Oh my God. I think he's going to be well yeah. over 6'3". Yeah,
1: because
0: how tall is... Sean, Sean is 6'2", he's- and there are no men in my family okay. under six foot. Yeah, so he's on his way. Yeah, he's going to be a tall dude. We digress. So she's writing her poetry. Mom's yes, asking her sorry. personal questions. Natalie is saying, you know, I'll call him later. And she kind of tells her mom a little bit about the party. She even mentions, you know, that there's beer there, and Keith was drinking, and it was annoying. So her mom just kind of takes in the information. She's like, okay, cool. I've got some things to do. Uh, let me know if you need me. Mom leaves, and she's so wrapped up in her poetry writing that she doesn't realize time has passed, and now Keith is standing in the doorway of her room. I guess he just let himself in. And before Natalie can tell Keith to fuck off, Keith says that he knows what Natalie's secret was. And this makes Natalie stop talking for five seconds. And Keith says he knows that she really wants to break up with him and start dating Todd. And Natalie is so relieved that Todd is, or that Keith is completely clueless about her vehicular homicide, that she throws her arms around him and declares that she's not interested in Todd at all. In fact, she's a little scared of him. He's got some anger issues. Whatever, let's make out. And Keith is relieved. And before he he gets pushed out of Natalie's room, he asks her, If she's going to go up to the lodge the next weekend. Okay, so it turns out that Carlo's uncle owns a mountain hunting lodge. And once a year, Carlo is allowed to invite friends up there for the weekend. Last year, they all had a great time. They watched the snow, and they drank cider, and they roasted hot dogs. And even though the place is kind of old and run down, they had a good time.
1: I said, I bet they did watch a lot of snow,
0: right? Well, not really. But here's the other part of that: is like, it's still a hunting lodge, and the uncle is still there. So last year, he took a bunch of them like hunting. So that was oh, okay.
1: They're not alone,
0: right? No. Well, there's the one uncle there, but like none of their parents go with them or anything like that. But it was a good time. She's excited to go back. She asked Keith if he's going to go, and he's like, "No, you know, I have to go and visit my cousins. I'm not going to be able to make it." Um, she's like, well, then maybe I won't go either. But Keith insists that she has to go. She needs to go and have a good time. So they kiss and she kicks him out of the door. Excuse me, kicks him out of her room. And she immediately calls Todd to see if there's been any new news from the mayor's office. Todd bites her head off and says she, like, he can't talk right now and to stop calling him every hour for an update. If he has any news, he will call her and tell her. But seriously, she needs to just, like, fuck off and calm down. Now, he did later, the next day at school, he pulled Natalie and Randy aside and told them that the mayor is still super pissed about what happened and that there's been no new leads. He was really close with his sister, and now he's offering a special bonus to any local cop who can get a good lead on the case. And now it's Friday night.
1: And she was packing. She's
0: packing. Todd calls. He says that they have to do something about Carlo. He saw Carlo today. Carlo is about to crack. He's about to spill everything. He can't take the pressure of the secret. He says he's going to go to the police and and tell what happened. So so Todd says that he's going to call the other girls and they should all meet up at Pete's Pizza to talk about this. We know that. We know where Pete's Pizza is. It's on the map, although I don't have the map posted, but I'll post it again. I guess he's not gonna call Carlo though, so they're gonna have a secret side meeting without Carlo. okay. So Natalie tells her parents she's gonna run out to the mall for some last minute things for the trip, and she heads out to Pete's Pizza. She is the last to arrive, and Todd, Jillian, and Randy are already there. Jillian confirms Carlo has made up his mind. He cannot take the guilt. He's going to the police, and of course, Todd comes out with that hole, well, he could have an accident. Just kidding. I mean, unless you're serious. But really, just kidding. JK, JK, everybody. (laughs) And the next scene is all five kids driving up the mountain to Carlo's uncle's hunting cabin. And like we said, last year, it was was a lot of fun. They all got to go hunting. So now they're discussing whether or not he would offer to take them again. They're in pretty good spirits, considering the situation. Carlo and Jillian are, like, they keep whispering to each other and kind of, like, exchanging these looks. Uh, But they don't say anything. And they all make it up the mountain, and they're greeted by Carlo's uncle. And uncle looks like your typical mountain man, right? He's got the beard and all that. He welcomes them in and tells them where their rooms are. Natalie goes to unpack and comes back down to find everyone getting ready to go hunting. Natalie is not stoked about this. She's not a hunter and neither is Jillian. But they both decide, you know, they'll go along anyway just for like the walk of it. They want to go on the walk with everybody. Randy, who it seems is trying to impress Todd, has decided that she will be the only one of the girls to hunt. Todd is doing that thing where he's like, you know, showing her how to grip the gun. He's got like his arms around her, you know, from behind. Oh, here's how you fire it. Oh. He seems kind of interested in Randy. You know, well, mm-hmm. despite her curly hair. Um, <laughs> I guess Todd is feeling charitable. I don't know. They all start to head out the door and they're going to hunt pheasants, okay? Natalie realizes that, oh no, she's left her gloves. She's got to run back up to the room and get them. So she runs back up to the room to get her gloves. And as she comes back out on the front porch, she hears a gunshot. Followed by a scream. So here, Stein explains that none of these kids really know what they're doing. Okay, they don't go pheasant hunting. And you can bet that, like, none of them have taken a gun safety course. Also... They're kind of poaching. (laughs) Uncle has a friend at City Hall who got them some kind of, like, under-the-table temporary hunting license. But it's not really a problem because, you know, like, he knows all the cops in town and it's not that big of a deal. The shot that uh, Natalie heard, it was Todd's shotgun. And... I'm, I'm going to nerd out on you guys here again with the guns. I'm guessing it's like a 12 gauge, okay? And to explain that for people who don't know, a shotgun is normally loaded with a shell that contains a bunch of like little round metal balls in it, okay? Especially when you're hunting birds like pheasants. Because the way you hunt pheasants is they fly out of the bush and you aim in that general direction and shoot. The metal bits, they all come out in a spray, okay, like a grid pattern. And what that does is that increases your chances of hitting the bird. Because birds are small and they fly fast. And it would be hard to get it with a single pellet. Does that make sense? That's why in movies, when you see, like, shotgun wounds, they all look like huge holes. Because it's not one bullet coming Mm -hmm. out. It's a bunch of tiny ones coming out in, like, a grid pattern. And it just kind of shreds whatever is in the way. So the closer okay. you are to what you're shooting, the smaller and more contained the grid is. And the farther you are away, the wider the little metal balls are when they reach the target. I swear this will come into play. Okay, this is important information. <laughs> it's, it's gonna make a difference. But, Pay attention. But Todd's gun has somehow accidentally fired. Okay. No one was hurt. Uncle checked over the gun. Todd seems to be genuinely kind of like unnerved by the whole thing and promises that he's going to be more safe with it. Um, So they all go into the woods. No problem. Don't walk in front of Todd. Um, They're doing some really crappy pheasant hunting, okay? Somehow Natalie gets separated from the group and she hears what she thinks is like a large animal growl and shows she freaks out, she starts running. And she gets herself thoroughly lost in the woods. Smart one. Right. But...
1: Just go running through
0: the woods. Oh, a growl, let's run in any direction. Um, (laughs) That's exactly what happened. Eventually, she's able to find a path and make her way in what she thinks is the direction of the lodge. But right as she gets on a path, she hears gunshots. She doesn't really think that much of it because they're out hunting. She figures someone must have seen a pheasant and taken a shot. So she just keeps walking. After a while, she does like this misstep in the path and she kind of falls over. Oh no. But as she's getting up, she sees a pair of brown boots laying down in the path ahead of her. When she stands fully, she can now see Carlo. Or Carlo's body. He's sprawled out across the path, he's covered in blood, and his head is missing.
1: His head like his whole entire
0: head. At his collar, where his head should be, is just a heap of blood and bone and tissue. What? Natalie loses her breath and she starts to back up and she's caught around the shoulders by Todd. Todd is wild-eyed. He's breathing hard, and he seems just as upset at the sight of Carlo's body as Natalie is. Todd has thrown his gun down, and the two of them are just staring at the place where Carlo's head used to be. And before either of them can scream or do anything, Todd looks at Natalie hard and reminds her to keep their vow. No matter what happens next, do not say anything about the car accident. And then there's a fade out. But what does it have to do with the car accident? I think he was concerned if they got, like, questioned about Carlo's death, that oh. somebody would say something about the car accident. Oh, like, don't. talk. Right. Like, I'm like, what does it have to do with anything? Right. So my whole point and, like, with, like, head came off. my whole point with gun class before mm-hmm. was that if you are close enough, and holding the right gun, you could potentially, actually, blow someone's head off—literally, wow. or okay. at least the top part of it. It depends on the shell you're shooting.
1: Uh huh. Right. And that is why I don't play with guns. Right.
0: The end. The end. And now you know that a shotgun shoots in a grid pattern. Now I know. Yeah, because there was this whole BS that happened. Stein does not know that. Because right after that, there was this whole thing about how, like, the bullet trajectory. And I'm like, what bullet? There's no bullet. It's a shotgun. Um,
1: Yeah. I at least know that from many, many movies. Right. That there is no.
0: Watch (laughs) a movie. So now there's a small time jump. And we learn that the local police have ruled Carlo's death an accident. A horrible hunting accident that somehow cost this kid his life. So get this. According to them, Carlo dropped his gun. And the gun went off when the stock hit the ground at just the right perfect angle to blow his head off.
1: Okay.
0: Couldn't do that shit if you tried. But this is how Carlo died. That doesn't seem
1: accurate. It doesn't seem plausible. Not
0: at all. No. Cool. Yep. Natalie is taking Carlo's death pretty hard, but her parents are pretty cool. Like, they've been very understanding. They've given her some space. Um, unfortunately, Carlo's uncle went into shock at the sight of Carlo's body, and he was taken away in an ambulance. Everyone else just kind of went home to deal with it. You know, Natalie has been laying in bed and crying. A very concerned Keith busts into her room you know he heard about carlo he wants to see if she's okay she is not okay of course no she's she's not not okay she throws her arms around him she tells him everything she tells him about the car accident about the walk in the woods about finding carlo's body she tells him the whole story she lets it all out she also says that she thinks that todd killed carlo Because remember, Todd was all like, wouldn't it be funny if something happened to him? Yeah. And he was like,
1: all of a sudden, right there at the scene of the crime.
0: Yeah, he was right there. Too. As if on cue, Todd rings Natalie's doorbell. Todd seems surprised to see Keith there, but he says that he's not doing good. You know, can he come in for a little while? And Natalie thinks he's a killer, right? Um, so she's not really too keen on letting him in. Uh, but she straight up asks him if he killed Carlo.
1: That's going to get the answer you're looking for. Just ask. Just like, hey, did you kill him? I think she's
0: just like grieving and she just lashed out on him. Like. Yeah, I think so. But Todd is also grieving. So he responds with anger. How could Natalie think that Todd could do something like that? They've all grown up together. How could she ever think that he could walk up to one of his friends and blow their head off? And Natalie hmm, might be swayed by this speech, but she's still unsure. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. She, just, she wants him to leave. She needs to think about it. So she apologizes. She says she's messed up over what happened, but, you know, she doesn't know what to think or say. So Todd goes, right. you know, well, we're all messed up, but whatever. So he goes to leave, but just before he does, he throws out that he wasn't the only one walking around the woods with a shotgun that morning. And then he's out. So what do you think, Danielle? Is Todd our killer? I'm going to say no,
1: because it's, like, so obvious. Super like, obvious. Like, why I'm saying he's the killer? Yeah, I thought the same. Unless it's one of those, like, crap. Oh, we're gonna throw you off, but it really is him. No, they're pushing us hard at Todd. Yeah, it's like one of those movies where they're clearly pushing you at the right, the wrong person to just to get you away from the other person. Yes, I mean the ultimate twist was that it really would be just a really shitty accident that could never happen. That would actually be really funny if it was just that was it, guys. But it's probably one. I'm guessing it's like one of the girls. Maybe it's Jillian. Jillian was sick of his ass. Could be. Bong her around. It's like,
0: bye. Could be. So, okay, maybe <laughs> Jillian. Okay, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So now there's a time jump, right? And it's a pretty big one. Carlo's funeral is coming on. gone. Everybody's grieving, but they're doing a little, like, a little time has passed, at least. There's now a little bit of cushion. And now the girls, uh, Randy, Natalie, and Jillian, are all at Jillian's house to study. They're all feeling pretty down, but... You know, they missed a lot of school in their grieving process over Carlo. So now they're like all trying to get caught up in their classes. The mood lightens a little bit when Randy admits that she has a date with Todd that Saturday night. She explains that, you know, even though he's a really big guy, he's actually really nice. And Natalie should just lighten up about him. And Natalie agrees, like, hey, I'm not going to judge you. Also, at the same time, Natalie is thinking, huh, maybe Randy and Todd killed Carlo together.
1: That would be a twist.
0: Right? I could see that. Like, Randy's kind of the, you know, dowdy girl that's trying to embrace this, like, do- like jock guy. And he, like, puts her up to, like, thinking that Carlo has to have an accident. I could see that. But she really doesn't have too much time to think on it, because that's when Jillian opens her backpack and this terrible smell comes out. She carefully puts the bag on the table and she opens it so that everyone can see in. Inside her bag was a piece of blue and green rotting meat. Like a chunk of rotting meat with maggots crawling all over it and all inside her bag everyone flips out how nasty right disgusting something about maggots can't do it but wait there's a note with the meat and it says Jillian could still be with Carlo if she wants she could be rotting away like this piece of meat and then it warns Jillian to keep her mouth shut Pretty quickly they realize that this is not a prank, okay? This is a threat. Anybody could have put this in here. Jillian had left her bag in the music room that day at school during rehearsal. And Natalie and Jillian both agree, like pretty much instantly, this has to be Todd. I mean, he was the only other person besides the two of them who knew about the vow. And Randy gets pissed, right? She really likes Todd and there's no way that he did this. He, he was just as broken up as the rest of them, and, you know, it really hurt his feelings when Natalie said that she thought he killed Carlo. She's defending him. There's no way that, that Todd could have done this. And there's lots of shouting and arguing when Natalie lets it slip that there is another person who knows because she told Keith everything. But hey, it's cool. He won't say anything. Calm down, you guys. Jeez. And this sets off the yelling again, right? How can Natalie break the vow? They are all screwed. Blah, 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 etc. They don't really have too much time to fight about it because right about then, Keith shows up to take Natalie home. They offer Randy a ride, but, you know, obviously she's upset. She wants to stay a little longer at Jillian's. Of course, she's going to stay to talk trash, but who gives a shit? Cool. Cool fair (laughs) natalie gets into the car with keith and right here stein makes a point of saying like how much of a shitbox keith's car is like i guess it's been through multiple tires and like it's dented on some sides and he can't open the door it like sticks half the time you gotta like go in through the window you know it's a crap car he assures her that he's not said anything to anybody and what's more, he saw in the news that, you know, the cops in town don't really have a clue about the hit and run. So really, if Natalie can just chill out for a few more days, Keith thinks that she'll be in the clear. The next day at school, Natalie is upset because she has completely failed her math test. She's obviously distracted. She didn't study that much. She knows she bombed it. So she goes to her locker, feeling kind of down, and she sees Jillian, who also looks upset. And Jillian tells Natalie that she has decided to go to the police. Jillian's ready to tell everything. Her life is, is, is crappy. She's not, she can't take it anymore. She can't eat. She can't sleep. And she swears she can hear Carlo's voice telling her to do what he didn't have the chance to. So she's going to go to the police and just end all this. Natalie asks Jillian what she means when she says she can hear Carlo, and Jillian says that she had a long talk with Carlo the night before they left for the lodge. He told her a lot of things about the night of the hit and run, and that everything is not as Natalie thinks it is. And before she could go on, Jillian just says that they'll all be safer once she talks to the police. There's a cough from behind her. It's Todd and Randy. Did they hear what Jillian was planning to do? Natalie couldn't quite tell. But the next day, Keith and Natalie are ice skating, and Natalie is getting Keith all caught up on what's going on, right? And as soon as she says that Jillian's going to the police, Keith says that he thinks she should try to convince Jillian not to go to the police. He really thinks that whatever Carlo said to Jillian doesn't make much of a difference because they're all so close to getting away with it. Then Keith starts to feel bad about Carlo again and says that he wants to go. He's ready to go, he's all done ice skating. Natalie is not done ice skating. She's like, you can go on without me. I'll I'll catch a ride with somebody who's here. So he leaves and Natalie just kind of, she just kind of checks out of reality for a while and skates. She needs a little break. It's that thing that we do to protect ourselves when things are getting too emotional. Like, we just, we do something we enjoy and pretend like everything's fine. Just, just to feel better. But by the time she does start to feel better, she realizes that she doesn't know any of the kids who are left at the rink. And she decides just to walk home. It's really not that far. She changes out of her skates and takes off across the parking lot in the direction of her house. She's not walking very long before she hears someone running up behind her. So instead of stopping to see who it is, like an idiot, she runs too. It's a really dumb chase scene that ends with Todd and Randy being like, why are you running? And she's like, because you're chasing me. Why are you chasing me? And they're like, because you're running. Like, what are you doing? But, But they, again, they don't have too much time to talk about it because they wanted Natalie to go with them to Jillian's house to help them convince Jillian not to talk. So they're going to her house. It's about 1030 at night. They're concerned about waking up her parents, but Randy lets it slip that actually Jillian's parents are away, so they don't have to worry about that. So they ring the doorbell and they knock on the door and they don't get an answer. They call out to Jillian and there's still no answer. Natalie walks around to the front of the house to look in the front windows of the living room she looks around a little bit, and then she sees Jillian's body at the bottom of the stairs. Natalie runs to the front door and tries the doorknob, and it's open. And they go in, and they're going to try to see if they can help Jillian, but unfortunately, her neck is at an unnatural angle, and her eyes are open, and her body is cold. She dead. Randy goes to call the police. Welp, that's it. That's all it took. Natalie is now ready to go to the police herself. She's done. She's all done with all these shenanigans. It ends now. So the next morning, she waits for her parents to leave. She gets the keys to the family car, and she's about to back down the driveway when she sees Randy in her rearview mirror parked behind her in the green Volvo. She gets out of the car, and she tells Randy to get out of the way so she can get in her car and leave. She's going to the police, and she's going to tell them everything. Randy looks like shit. I mean, even more so, given her curly hair. So she takes a second, and then she's like, Well, you know what? I've, I've came, you know, Natalie, I was coming here to let you know, I've also come to that decision. I'm also going to go to the police and say everything. Let's go together. Why don't you get in? Get into the car, we're hey. going to go to the police station. And I don't trust her. our girl. Natalie is not going down like that. She's like, yeah, cool. We can go together. Let's take my car. And then Randy's like, well, you know, it was this car that was involved in the accident. They're probably going to want to see it. So we should take my car. Just get in. Unfortunately, Natalie can't think of another excuse not to go. So she gets in. And surprisingly enough, Randy does in fact take them both to the police station. They all, they spill all the guts. They tell everything to this one police detective. They go step by step by step, the events of the night, here's what happened. And he's like, okay, well, you have the car here that you used to hit the other car? And they're like, yes, it's here. And He's like, okay, well, I want to go see the car. And they point out the car. He's like, are you sure it was this car? And they're like, yeah, it's, it's this car. This is the car we were driving. And that's when the detective asks them if this is some kind of prank. Because, you see, they know that the car that hit and killed the woman, the mayor's sister, it was a blue car. It was sky blue. And what's more, the car, we can tell from the tire tracks, actually had a spare tire in the front. This is clearly a green Volvo, and these are clearly the tires that have been on it for a long time. So this is not the car that hit and killed this woman. And the girls are elated. It wasn't them. Whoever killed this woman, it was not them. And they now have their lives back. They're in trouble still for the hit and run. Because they did admit to that. But they're not killers. They're not murderers. Nobody's going down for murder. And they're very relieved, and they're walking out of the police station, and they walk right into Todd, who is extra mad. He's can't believe they went to the cops. You know, he starts getting angry, and they're like, no, no, listen, Todd, it's cool. We just talked to them. Turns out we didn't kill anybody. And they're all trying to process this. They're happy, but they're fearful. Like, they don't, like, this has been just a roller coaster, right? And Randy suggests that, like, they should all just go to her house and, like, try to decompress. Like, try to figure out what to do next or to do, if if anything. Like, they, sh- they should just all go over and, and think about Jillian and, you know, whatever. But Natalie, mm, she doesn't fully trust the two of them. She thinks some shady shit happened, aside from the wreck. She's not real sure about them still. Uh, So she declines, right? And she just kind of, it's so weird. She kind of just walks around town for a while. Like, there's a long area where she's just hanging out. She's not really going anywhere. So when Keith pulls up his piece of crap car beside her... His sky-blue piece of crap car. His sky-blue car that until now has had a spare tire on it. And then she knows. It was Keith who killed the mayor's sister. And he can tell by her face that she has just figured it out. And he grabs her by the arm and pushes her into the car. He says he just wants a chance to explain. Just get in the car. So he starts the car, he starts to drive, he tells her that when she left the party that night, he got into his car and followed her. He knows it was stupid, but he was just so mad, he thought he thought Todd was taking her home. He followed them down the dead end road, and he hit the car that was parked there. He knew that he had killed the woman inside, because he actually did get out of his car to see what had happened, and when he hit the car, her head had gone through the windshield, and half of her face was missing. So he freaked out. He just left. When he tried to call the next morning to tell her what happened, she blew him off. She hung up on him, she wouldn't let him talk. So he called Carlo and told told Carlo what happened. And eventually Carlo couldn't keep the truth inside. He told Keith that he was planning to take the whole thing to the cops and he also said that he had called Jillian and told her the whole story the night before as well. So, Keith walked into the woods the day they were hunting and shot his friend in the face. But now, unfortunately, Jillian also knew what happened. When he left the skating rink, he went to Jillian's house. And after trying and failing to convince her not to tell the truth, simply threw her down the stairs and just left. Now only one person knew what really happened that night and it's Natalie. She's the only one left. Natalie could see that now as Keith was turning down that same dead-end street it just so happens that this street dead-ended and dropped off a cliff and he was picking up speed. He explained that Natalie was going to have another terrible accident, and that he was gonna jump out of the car, but that she was going over the edge. And at the last minute, when Keith was about to jump out, his driver door stuck. He couldn't get it open, and he was trapped. He was also so shocked at the current situation that he couldn't stop Natalie from jumping out the other side. Keith went over the cliff, and Natalie heard the explosion at the bottom. She noticed she was clinging to a road sign. It was the dead end sign on the edge of the cliff. So she dusts herself off and starts the long walk back to town. And that's how it ends. That explains the title
1: dead ends. i've been wondering all along what the title was supposed
0: to be about Yup,
1: because so far there were no dead ends so i was like what the
0: heck yeah and i will add i i didn't put them in this episode but there are in these early books he makes it a point to like do a lot of like crossover mentioning so when they're at the party um keith is talking to one of the girls from the cheerleader books Oh, nice. Okay. The math test that she failed is Mr. Crowley's math test. I remember him. Yeah, same teacher. Mm -hmm. So a lot of cute little crossovers. Overall, Mm -hmm. probably not my fave just because I saw the movie already.
1: Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, I didn't guess it was him, but the plot was very predictable.
0: Right like we knew they were going to make a secret we knew that like things are going to start to happen mm-hmm. people are going to start talking yeah. and getting bumped off yeah, yeah yeah, i mean it was still good i wasn't
1: expecting a missing head though
0: no that bar was good i thought I that was good sense. i'm glad it was nice and mm-hmm. gory <laughs> yeah
1: yeah pretty good I haven't heard much about that one, so I'm guessing that's not like a popular. It's
0: not. It's, just, it's like it's like a one off. I'm glad that we covered it because we can't always cover just the fan favorites. Like we need to get. Right. We need to get some of the other ones, but like it was still a good book And the way mm-hmm. it was written. I could see myself, um, you know, being excited yeah. and, and reading all the way through it. It had good pace. Yeah, it did. It moved really it was quickly. A good pace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
1: I liked it. Very cool.
0: Oh, did I tell you I got an email notification that merch is coming your way?
1: My merch is coming and you can get merch, too, because we do have a little merch store where we have stickers, mugs, tote bags and T-shirts and lots of ways to represent the show. And and we'd like to know if there's a design or some type of merch that you'd like to see. So let us know in the Facebook group as we do want to expand to more designs. I'd like to get our logo on a shirt sometime. That would be pretty cool. That's the goal, is to get our logo on something for you guys. And besides our mug, I think our mug has the logo, right? Yeah, there's two different... Yeah,
0: there's a regular logo mug, and then there's the color-changing... Um,
1: The color changing one is super fun. That's the one I have and it's fun. So yeah, check out merch. If there's something you want to see that we don't have or like some funny thing that we say, because we try to remember, but sometimes we forget the things we say. So if there's a funny thing that you hear us say a lot and you think that would make a funny shirt or a sticker or something, Tell us in the Facebook group. Or if you don't want to post in the Facebook group because you're shy, just message us. And we usually reply if we see it. We usually say, hey, what's up? And we reply in the in the Facebook messenger. So we understand lurkers like to lurk. So. Oh, yeah. As long
0: <laughs> as it's not a creepy message, we'll, we'll usually chat right back.
1: Yeah, don't be creepy. Yeah. Like, don't be creepy.
0: We're, we're both happily attached. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you. So,
1: if you want to send me pictures of your pets, though, please do. But none accepted. of yourself.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, this one's running pretty long already. So I'm going to go ahead and say that until next time, we are out.
1: Like the mini so we recorded for the Fear Street movie. Go and listen to it. I guarantee you it's going to be out already. Okay, bye. <laughs>